the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, This is Al Fadi, and uh, we want to thank you for joining us in part one of this live stream from our studios. And if you are our radio listener, this would be part two, uh, the second week in a row, discussing a couple of interesting topics related to the Islamic superstition. One, which was last week or last uh, part, has to do with the topic of jinn. Let's call them demons, if you wish. And today... And right now, we are going to talk about part two, which will address an interesting character associated with Islamic end times known as a Dajjal. And no better, uh, no, no better really than Joel Richardson, who deals with end times topics and prophecies. And he even wrote an entire book really comparing and contrasting, uh, you know, aspects and uh, characteristics of the Christian end time as opposed to the Islamic end time. And brother, welcome back. Thank you so much for making time for us. It's always good to be with you, Al-Fadi. Why don't you give people uh, a brief summary of that book, you know, that you wrote uh, so that they know uh, what it's called and hopefully they can go and buy it as well. Yes. So the book is called The Islamic Antichrist, and it was birthed out of a season. So shortly after 9-11, I was doing a lot of email correspondence, um, not only with Muslims, but many Westerners who were um, sending an email back at the time I was working with AnsweringIslam.org. And people would be asking questions, inquiring about Islam, or Muslims would send in questions or arguments and this type of thing. And because of that, because I was engaged in such ongoing daily dialogue with Muslims, I was constantly reading books by written by Muslims, Muslim scholars, classical Muslim books, and so forth. And I think just out of my own interest, out of my own curiosity, I started reading books written by Muslims concerning their perspective on the end times. And it became a a real fascination of mine. I think I read everything probably that exists in English um, on the topic that had been published at the time. And really what's interesting is over the past 20 years, there's been an explosion um, of interest throughout the Islamic world in end time prophecy and in prophecy and this type of thing, Um, probably even more so than, believe it or not, than we see in the Christian world. Um, And there have been various events, of course, that have unfolded on the ground, such as some of the events with ISIS. Um, They were very much driven by the Islamic apocalyptic end time prophecies. And I've often found, too, you know, like maybe I just go out to a restaurant. Maybe the waiter is a Palestinian or, you know, uh, a Muslim. And I always ask them questions about the end times. And I find that quite often they... They're very eager to talk about these things. They really are excited. And oftentimes they'll say, it's because of these things that I believe in Islam. 
I go, really? That's, that's an interesting way to start. They won't say, you know, because I believe the Islamic concept of God is better or more superior, which is what you would classically hear Muslims say, but they'll say prophecy is Islamic prophecy is being fulfilled on the ground right now in such a profound way that it's convinced me that Islam is true. You look at with ISIS again, we're now six years or so um, since ISIS, you know, exploded out of Syria and took over good parts of Iraq, you look at that and you think altogether they had probably well over 30,000, mostly kids, kids that were burning their passports, smuggling, you know, themselves across borders to join ISIS, um, to join the jihad, to establish their version of the caliphate. Um, it Oftentimes, when you read their stories, it's because they believed that prophecy, Islamic prophecy, was being fulfilled before their eyes. 30,000, that's a lot of kids. You know, you think, can we recruit one-tenth of that? Can we recruit 3,000 missionaries um, from the Christian world to, you know, not go to call, whatever it is, to lay down their lives, to share the gospel in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, this type of thing? No, I don't think we have... I don't think we have a fraction of that. They were able to recruit 30,000. There is power in prophecy, and it's one of the more profound factors that's driving much of the Islamic world today. And of course, at the center of that um, is this concept of the Antichrist. Of course, they call him Adajjal, Al-Dajjal Al-Masih, so the charlatan or the counterfeit Messiah, Al-Masih, the Messiah. Yeah, and he's a... He, so he's he's similar to the biblical Antichrist, but he's also very, very different. Um, other than the name the Antichrist, um, there's really very, very little um, that we could say is is the same versus the biblical Antichrist character. Right. And uh, again, I want to welcome everyone. Of course, you're uh, watching part two of our live stream with our dear brother, Joel Richardson. And we're talking about... Uh, a topic that is a continuation of what we started in part one, which is the Islamic uh, or the, um, the the world of superstition in Islam, if you wish. Last time we talked about jinn. Today we're going to talk about al-Masih al-Dajjal or uh, basically the Antichrist. Technically speaking, he is affiliated with Islamic uh, eschatology, Islamic in times uh, era, and he's one of those major signs actually concerning the uh, end of time. And and so Joel, um, t- tell our viewers a little bit more about uh, this Dajjal because not a whole lot of them probably have an idea about how his description, for instance, and how he would appear and his powers and so on and so forth. Yeah. So according to Islamic belief, Dajjal is the single greatest and most deceptive trial or tribulation that the Muslims would ever face. Okay, so at the end of time, the great time of testing, he would be the embodiment of that great trial. He would be the great deceiver. Um, there is a hadith that says that a faithful Muslim would go to bed, and he would he would be a faithful Muslim when he goes to sleep. He would wake up a follower of Abdajal. So there's tremendous fear, uh, oftentimes. There's tremendous fear concerning this great deceiver that's coming. Um and so he's this character that comes back. They say it's very unusual. They say he rides a giant donkey across the sky. He's riding all over the earth. Um, they say probably the primary sign to identify him is that he's blind in one eye. He's one-eyed. Mm-hmm. Now, some people interpret that literally. Some Muslims interpret that literally and say he'll be blind in one eye. 
Others view it more um, metaphorically. And so what's interesting is when you see signs such as the dollar bill that has the sort of pyramid with the one eye above it, mm-hmm. a lot of Christians are very superstitious above this, the sign of the Illuminati, this type of thing. You'll see a lot of popular Christian, um, popular Muslim authors will write books and they'll say that the Dajjal is, yes, an individual that's coming, but it's also, they'll talk about the Dajjal system. So they'll talk about capitalism or the Illuminati or any number of systems that they see as in conflict with Islam. And they'll, they'll refer to that as the Dajjal system. Um, and of course, then there's a lot of symbolism, as I said, with the, the one eye on the back of the dollar bill or any, uh, any time that you see that type of imagery, they're going to ascribe it to being part of the Dajjal system. Um, but the thing that I found fascinating with all of this, which actually ties it into what we were talking about in the previous session with regard to Muslim belief in jinn, is this idea that if Muslims memorize, I don't remember which particular, um, which particular chapter, which uh, surah of the Quran, if they memorize the entire chapter, it's said that they would be protected from the deception of Ad-Dajjal, the deception of the Antichrist. And so, you know, even that right there, to me, that, that type of what I'll call magical thinking, it's kind of a verbal amulet, you know, like as if you wear some magical amulet around your neck. If you wear garlic around your neck, you'll be protected from vampires. If you memorize this particular surah, somehow you're just magically protected from this satanic, demonic deception. Um, it's, it really is magical thinking. And it's strange the way that that type of superstitious thought pervades Islam. From a Christian perspective, the thing that would protect you from deception is knowing the truth. The thing I just want to let everybody know that uh, we're having uh, just uh, technical issues from time to time. It's not like your necklace or memorize some words. Yeah, and I'm sorry, go ahead. I was explaining to people that we're running into, uh, you know, slight technical issues from time to time. Well, the uh, last thing that you heard me say. Um, you're, you're just trying to describe uh, basically uh, something and then your voice was cut out. So you might want to repeat like the last minute or so of what you were trying to say. Can you hear me? Again, um, hopefully we'll have Joel back uh, in a second here. Uh, we are doing a live stream with Joel, and uh, this is part two uh, of our uh, podcast and part two also of our live stream. Last time, or part one, we talked about jinn. Today, we're talking about the um, Islamic um, uh, character of end times known as the Masih al-Dajjal or the, uh, you know, the false messiah, if you wish, or the Antichrist. And it's kind of interesting, you know, uh, one of the hadith will say that he will deceive even believers, that they will wake up uh, uh, believing in him. And if you remember, Jesus gave us a warning in Matthew 24, 24 says that false prophets and false messiahs will arise and deceive, if possible, even the elect. So it's almost like you see a mirror image of these kind of sayings of Jesus, except now it's has an Islamic spin on it, and it's added to the Hadith collection. So go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. Um, if you want to uh, reiterate a little bit of the last part. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure where I left off, but essentially what I was saying is that um, this idea that if a Muslim memorizes a particular chapter of the Quran, that they're thus protected uh, from the deception of the Dajjal, it's very, ma- it's very much magical thinking. It's really just sort of a verbal version of a magical amulet. Um, you know, the thing that protect from a Christian perspective, the thing that protects us from evil and deception is knowing the truth, is having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. It's not wearing a magic necklace. 
It's not memorizing some chapter from the Bible. And so it's, it's, it's sad. I'll be honest with you. It's sad to see that Muslims hold to this sort of um, pagan thinking. You know, it really is. It, it emanates from a pagan worldview that um, inanimate objects have powers, or if you just memorize some chapter, you're, you're protected or this type of thing. Uh, I will say this with regard to what you just mentioned. Again, the hadith that says that a believer, a Muslim believer, would go to bed a faithful Muslim and wake up a follower of Ad-Dajjal in kind of a ironic twist. You have all of these stories throughout the Islamic world today where Muslims go to bed a Muslim and they have dreams where Jesus himself will actually appear to them. And numerous Muslims have testimonies of having an encounter with Jesus in the night and essentially waking up as a follower of Jesus. So it's as though it's as though Satan was aware of the fact that the Lord is capable of reaching those um, who are genuine and sincere, who are actually crying out to God. And he sort of inspired this hadith that says, no, 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 that's satanic. You know, if Jesus appears to you, if God himself actually speaks to you in your dreams and reveals to you the truth, that's actually a deception. It's as though he was trying to preemptively, preemptively prevent uh, what we're seeing throughout the Islamic world today. It is amazing, of course. You can see that the uh, satanic uh, agenda, the anti-gospel uh, uh, plan, basically, being uh, unraveled right now. And uh, unfortunately, of course, uh, uh, you know, some of the things about this Dajjal uh, were puzzling. Like, for instance, it says that he has the word kafir, infidel, written on his forehead. And I've always wondered, so if it was written on his forehead... And meaning someone can read it. So why would you fall for the lie of this guy? I mean, uh, you know, so have you ever asked that question? Because I I, I know some of the answers that I will get if I ask that. But uh, in your research, have you ever asked uh, a question like that, for instance? Not that I can remember. My guess is they would usually say it's metaphorical. You know, it's not literally written or that they would just be blind. Yeah. Yeah. Or that deceivers, those who are deceived would be blind to it. Yeah, and another idea, they will say, oh, well, truth uh, by that time will not be found, so nobody will know the truth anymore, and they can think that this guy is like the Messiah because he has this power, he can chop somebody in half and sew them back together, you know, and uh, do all these kind of miraculous things and so on and so forth, which it's still a little bit puzzling, if you wish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, if you do a real deep dive and you try to determine where a lot of these ideas come from within the Islamic tradition— uh, many of them were borrowed from what I'll call um, Christian uh, apocalyptic literature. So this is not biblical literature. It's actually extra biblical traditions and ideas often that developed in Syria. Um, there was sort of a whole genre of Christian end time, uh, you know, fanatical type of literature. And oftentimes they would borrow ideas from some of this stuff um, or from the Talmud or, you know, this type of thing. And so it was sort of a hodgepodge of a lot of different strange ideas that were all sort of, uh, packed together. And then of course there, it's treated as though it's a divine revelation, but it's easy to trace some of this stuff back to pre-Islamic, um, uh, uh, Christian ideas, uh, spurious, even Gnostic documents and this type of thing. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, Joel, I mean, I'm hoping that you and I will uh, really end up doing this series, that that will probably require a, a, a large number of, of episodes. But one interesting thing, uh, you know, when you do a, a search, brother, uh, and I'm sure you've done that, of course, uh, but I'm talking to the uh, viewers right now, when you do a search about the minor signs of end times, according to Islamic eschatology, major signs, the minor signs are kind of interesting. You feel like, you know, this is a list that is a living document that keeps on growing. 
And you wonder where they come up sometimes with some of these assertions about these signs. Some you can verify. Some you don't even know if it is borrowed or not. Some it's like, did someone dream about this? Or was it just a, a, an individual interpretation about an event? And they think this is part of the end time signs. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, gosh, this is probably 20 years ago. Um, there was a guy uh, named Sheikh Hisham Kabani. He was sort of the supreme... He was head of the Supreme Council of Muslims in Canada or something like that. I believe he was a Nashkabendi Sufi um, Mm -hmm. man. And he wrote a book. And it was really interesting because to me, that was the first time that I'd seen a book written that was similar to popular Christian apocalyptic genre. So he was using Islamic prophecy as an evangelistic tool. And as you said, he had this long list of what we'll call minor signs. These are just, yeah, small signs, minor signs. And one of them, I have to admit, is quite fascinating. Of course, once you actually tease it out, it's not, none of them are as fascinating as they sound once you tease them out. But there's one that I always got a kick out of. It said, the day is coming in the last days when naked barefoot Bedouins would compete to build tall buildings. And so people will point to, of course, you know, Saudi Arabia, those who began as Bedouins and developed this kingdom and of course Dubai and so forth and just sort of the uh, the one upsmanship that's going back and forth between Dubai and Saudi and trying to build tall buildings but people will point to that and say there it is you know hole in one i mean you know absolutely that was predicted years ago the truth is tall buildings back in the de- days of Muhammad could have been three stories mm-hmm. you know they, they didn't they didn't have the idea that someone would build these you know couple hundred uh, you know almost buildings that are almost a mile tall this type of thing so they had just as much relevance back then as they do today. And of course, when you have a hundred minor signs, yeah, there's going to be a couple that you can try to pigeonhole and, and make it align with different events that are unfolding in the earth today. Absolutely. And, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, somebody would, uh, would say, well, where did they come? I mean, I remember growing up, they'll say, oh, well, look, you know, the Bedouins who, uh, who are shepherding, you know, and have animals, you know, now they own cars and they own buildings. That's the sign of end times. And, and you, as a young kid, you're like, oh, my gosh, I mean, what does that mean? And where is the Dajjal? And, you know, you start thinking about it this way. But then buildings keep getting taller and taller and nothing happens so far. So and, and where did this idea come from? Or another one is say, like, metal will fly. Well, you wonder really what exactly are we referring to? Was this really originated at the time of Muhammad or later? Or is it something like in the 19th century or 20th century when somebody starts seeing things flying? I mean, who knows? Yeah, exactly. And of course, many of the Hadith developed over hundreds of years after Muhammad. Um, you know, it's it's really questionable that any of them actually go all the way back to Muhammad himself. That's a whole uh, world to discuss. One thing that I, I did also find fascinating, um, do you remember years ago, I don't know if he's still around, there was a Muslim apologist named Osama Abdullah. Is he still active? Yeah, yeah. He, he's, I mean, he's, he's on and off, but uh, he's definitely, I mean, I think he's even the guy who founded the Answering Christianity website. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I was reading his comments on Islamic end time beliefs, and it was interesting. He said this, he was comparing the biblical Antichrist to the Islamic Antichrist, and he said, the real Antichrist will be easy to notice because he will primarily be followed by Zionist Jews and polytheistic, or in parentheses, Trinitarian Christians. So it's really fascinating. He said the real Antichrist will prime. Oh, and actually he added in women, um, which I think is actually in a few different hadith. The Dajjal will primarily be followed by women and by Jews 
and by Trinitarian Christians. And of course, by Trinitarian Christians, we mean historical Orthodox Christians who believe that which Christians have always believed from the very beginning. Um, And so it's really just, in, in so many ways, again, although these traditions, although these prophecies developed, oftentimes hundreds of years or 100 or so years, they began to be developed after Muhammad. Nevertheless, from a Christian perspective, you can see, I'm going to say it this way, you can see this, the satanic hand within the history and the development, the evolution of these traditions as such, that Muslims today, in so many ways, they have been prepared by their own traditions to view the coming Messiah, as if he is their Antichrist. You know, I always, I looked at Revelation chapter 19, where it says the rider on the white horse, this is Jesus, he bursts forth from heaven in blazing fire with all of his angels. And then it says the kings of the earth will say, let's go fight him. I always, that doesn't make any sense against a man that just burst forth from heaven who's on a white horse until I started looking at the Islamic prophecies. And I said, oh, of course, the vast majority of the, the, the devout, sincere Muslims that are following their prophecies, they'll say, that's the Antichrist. If Jesus returned according to the biblical pattern, they would say, this is the Antichrist, and we are divinely predestined to defeat him in battle. And of course, we know how it ends. They're all killed. They're slain by the rider on the white horse. But it's, they've been set up. And this is where my heart breaks. Muslims have been set up by a counterfeit series of traditions. It's preparing them to actually be the enemies of God in the last days. Amen. I mean, I want to recap to people why uh, these two characters that we talked about in part one and part two, the jinn and the Dajjal, uh, are part of what we call the Islamic superstition. Really, in a nutshell, it's a false gospel. I mean, put it this way. If you knew that there are fallen angels called demons, they are the one who try to antagonize you and try to even demonically possess people. They want you not to believe in the gospel. They themselves know who, uh, who Jesus is, but they don't want you to acknowledge him. Then you would begin to look at it from a different angle. You're not going to be afraid of them, but rather understanding the troubles that, spiritually speaking, and the spiritual uh, uh, war, uh, basically, that you go through. As a Christian, I understand the spiritual warfare that I deal with now. I understand that it isn't demons in me. It isn't jinn. No, there are powers out there, and we have to be wearing the full armor of God, as Ephesians chapter 6 talks about. It's a real battle. It's not a flesh of blood. If people insult me, I understand now that it is not them, not the flesh and blood that insult me, but it's these demonic power behind them that do not want them to understand the gospel and want them to antagonize me. So I put things in perspective, not so in Islam. And also when you understand that the Antichrist, according to the Bible, is defeated, rather than to think about a Dajjal and so on and so forth, it seemed like in Islam, you're really left in the dark, not knowing exactly how to handle the end time, how to understand the end time, the meaning behind the end time, and who is the real writer of that white horse is. Rather, Islam tells you, Jesus comes, they acknowledge a Jesus who comes to destroy, actually, and to kill the followers of uh, uh, his followers, destroy the cross that symbolically represented his work, to save us, to carry our sins, to die for us, and to wash away our sins, obviously. That's why we say it's superstitious, because sadly, it's the wrong message that our Muslim friends get. I want to thank, of course, all of you for watching this show. Hopefully, it was enjoyable. We will have Joel later, and we will unpack all of these things at a deeper level. Brother, uh, brother, I'll give you the last word. 
Amen. I just want to affirm what you said. There is one message that can set you free from demonic oppression. There is one message that can give you authority over demons. And, you know, it's a world that's easy to understand. Even a kid can understand this. When we stand with him, yes, there'll be resistance, but we have authority over the powers of darkness. And it's a, it's a message that's free and available to everyone who receives it. He says, if we receive it, his Holy Spirit will come and indwell us and give us authority over demons. So we appeal to our Muslim friends who are listening and watching um, to, to flee from, uh, flee from the wrath to come, flee from uh, this counterfeit, um, this very well-crafted but counterfeit worldview. Amen and amen. And I want to thank all of you for watching part two of our live stream with our dear brother, Joel Richardson. And this was also part two or week two for you, our radio listeners of Let Us Reason. I want to thank all of you uh, for joining us. I remind you to subscribe to our brother's channel. Is your channel also called Joel's Trumpet, the YouTube channel? Um, I... Uh, YouTube, it's just uh, The Underground with Joel Richardson. All right. And we did post it in there, by the way. And mine also, Sierra International. I thank all of you uh, for being here with us. And in two hours from now, give or take, myself and Dr. Jay Smith will go live again. Now, it could be 6, 6.15, 6.30, depends. But we will be going live together, myself and Jay. So be on the look for that. Thank you, brother. And thank you, everyone. This is Al-Fadi over and out. God bless you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.